Welcome to the Hills. All of you in person at North Richard Hills, at Keller, at West Fort Worth, our Dallas launch team, and all of you that watch online every week. I want to thank you for the response I have gotten to this series. It's been very uh, confirming. Some of you are long on the journey of hearing from God. Some of you are just starting the journey. But wherever you are, thank you for having open minds. Open minds are critical and necessary for having open ears. Uh, I love preaching for this church. The only thing that even comes close in terms of ministry is I love raising up the next generation of preachers. And this church has given me a platform for many years to do that. And so we're going to do that the next two weeks. I'm going to go on a ski trip with my wife and my son's oldest son's family. Would you pray that this whole fragile body comes back in one piece, please? (laughs) And while I'm gone, you're going to get blessed by the ministry of Emmanuel Dominguez. And uh, Emmanuel's been uh, led by God to do a teaching on the book of Jonah that is going to powerfully bless you. I think we all know God's hand is on Emmanuel. He's got a strong teaching gift. And someday, I hope sooner than later, he's going to be leading his own church as the senior teaching minister. And so we're in a place to help him get ready for that moment. So be praying for Emmanuel and the word that you're going to be receiving the next two weeks. We believe our mission is to make and grow followers of Jesus. And we do that together by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And critical to all of that is being able to hear Jesus. And the thing about Jesus, he is so passionate for people, he doesn't even wait for you uh, to expect him to speak. He chases people, even before they've decided to become followers. So I was encouraged by a testimony recently by a member of our church at West Forest campus named Matt Plummer. Matt did not grow up in a home pursuing Jesus because of a uh, tragedy in his family when he was a young boy. Matt actually grew up very angry at God, but his wife was faithful and patient and brought him one day to the West Fort Worth campus. And Matt, to his credit, not only decided to give it a try, he even signed up to join a rooted group before he had even committed to fully following Jesus. So I want you to hear in his own words what happened when he heard the voice of the Lord. Even when I went to church, sometimes like my wife would take me for Christmas and Easter and things like that. And I'd be like dragged along. Right. Um, And I would be angry. And I would be looking for any reason not to go back. She'd tried different things before in different places, but um, the Hills was the place that um, made me feel like I was home. And then we went into Rooted, and once we went into Rooted, like, everything kind of just took off from there. We hit this, like, prayer session, and the prayer session was, again, interesting and different, right? Not something I'd ever experienced before, nothing I'd tried, like, to even consider doing, and... We fasted for the day before that. We came together at the beginning. We then kind of separated and went our own separate ways. And and I went into the worship center at uh, West Fort Worth and sat in a sat in a seat, tried praying, and it didn't feel right. And some something just made me move. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll go sit here. And I put my back up against the baptistry and sat there for another ten minutes. And just trying to talk to God, tell him, hey, you know, I haven't I haven't been around. I get it. If you don't want to talk to me, I understand. But just 
tell me what to do to show you that I wanna, I wanna pursue this further. And so I went to sit in the prayer room in the pitch black, didn't turn the light on, didn't do anything, just sat in the dark and said the same thing. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to do this. Explain, like, give me some kind of something to cling on to. You know, stuff starts going through your head and you don't know if you're flossing it or if something's coming. And then when it comes and it's not yours, you know. And prior to that session, I had been at Ben's conference and one of the songs that played was I Thank God. And the one we sing in church is, isn't the full version of that. And so I'd listen to it on YouTube and places like that. And in that moment in the prayer room, my brain had been all over the place, but it just suddenly went quiet. And the song at the end starts going over and over and over again. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. And that was in my head and there's no, no reason, no rhyme, no anything like that to why it arrived at that point in time other than to say it was Jesus, it was God. And I decided to listen. So here's a guy who's honest, God, I don't know if you want to talk to me. I haven't tried to talk to you all my life. And he hears, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. We'll come back to Matt in a moment. But this should not shock us because Jesus made it clear in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You cannot follow Jesus if you don't know how to hear his voice. But implied in Jesus' statement is the reality that there are other voices trying to get the attention of the sheep. And spiritual maturity requires knowing which voice to listen to and which voices to ignore. I heard a guy who went to Nordstrom, wrote Reader's Digest, said, I need to go to the restroom. So I went in, sat down in the stall, and I hear a voice in the stall next to me. How you doing? <laughs> I guess I'm doing okay. What are you doing? Well, I guess I'm sitting down doing the same thing you're doing. Do you mind if I come over? Now he's feeling really awkward and annoyed. He said, well, actually, I'm kind of busy right now. Then he heard the guy say loudly, I'm going to have to call you back. Some idiot next to me keeps answering all my questions. <laughs> so the point is, you're going to hear lots of voices. You don't need to pay attention to most of them. If hearing the voice of the Lord is critical to discipleship, then developing voice recognition is going to be equally critical. We've got to become so familiar with the voice of Jesus that we don't get duped by other messages. Because there are other messages out there. Say, who else is talking, Pastor? Well, the enemy has a voice. I read in a paper a few years back, a woman in Desiree Kelly, Missouri, her ear was hurting. Like, maybe I have an infection, maybe too much earwax. She went to the doctor, and the nurse looked in and said, it looks like something's moving. So she flushed her ear with water, and something fell out on her sweater about the size of a nickel. It was black. It was a live spider. And they checked the ear. Everything was okay. But it freaked her out. And for months and years later, she would wear earplugs when she went to bed for the fear, something's trying to get in my head. Okay, I don't want to freak anybody out, but I'm going to tell you the truth. 
There are other bees out there, and they're trying to get in your head. The enemy has a voice, and he wants to speak and get inside your ear. You don't have to read the Bible very far to know this. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. From the beginning, the battle between good and evil, between light and dark, between bondage and between freedom has come down to this. Which voice are you going to listen to? And the mistake that Adam and Eve made was they gave room for the wrong voice to get in their head. Now, I don't know what you think about Satan. You cannot read the gospel accounts without understanding Jesus believed in a real spiritual enemy, and he named him. And he said, there is no mission more important to Satan than to keep you from hearing and trusting the word of God. Jesus said he is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is a snatcher. Jesus told a parable about a sower sowing seed in all kinds of soil, and the sower stood for God, and the seed stands for the word. And Jesus said in this in Luke 8, the seed's the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is his mission, to take away God's word and God's voice. How does he do that? Well, he takes it away by providing another word. Not one time does the enemy come up to Jesus in the wilderness and say, curse God and die. Each time what he did was give Jesus a different word. And you see, Jesus recognizing even though the word sounded good, even though one time Satan misquoted scripture. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 that he disguises himself as an angel of light and he knows how to get in your head and say something that at first sounds right. And we've got to be so full of the truth of God like Jesus that we can recognize and we can repel satanic thought bombs before they can be detonated because the enemy has a voice and you do too you see we talk to ourselves all the time I heard about a father and he's in a grocery store with his three year old son put him in the cart and the little boy was just pitching a fit and the whole time he's going up and down the aisle you could hear the father saying you can do this Timmy Hang in there, Timmy. Be good, Timmy. Not much longer, Timmy. You can make it, Timmy. Finally, an older woman said, Sir, I just have to admire the way you speak so gently to your son, Timmy. He said, He's not Timmy. He's Johnny. I'm Timmy. <laughs> we talk to ourselves all the time. And the problem is, much of what we tell ourselves opposes what God is trying to tell us. You have examples all over the Bible. Genesis 17, God told an old man named Abraham, you're going to become a father. It says, Abraham said to himself, I'm too old to become a father. Jesus told a story about a businessman who had a great year. Couldn't even put all his crops in his barn. Now that means he's got a lot to share with needy people. Instead, he said to himself, I'll just build me a bigger barn. And that way I'll just have more to spend on myself. There's a reason the scripture says in Proverbs 
There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. The Bible is full of warnings of self-deception. Here's the truth. People have lied to you and people have lied to me and it's been hurtful. But no one can lie to me and convince me that the lie is actually the truth better than I can. Nobody can lie to me and make me believe it better than I can. We're good at this. We are experts at the art of convincing ourselves that what we want is actually God's will for us. Oh, I know I made a promise till death do us part, but I think God wants me to be happy. I know God's plan is for the act of sex to be in the context of marriage, but how are we going to know if we're compatible if we don't sleep together before we get married? I know God wants me to be generous with the money I earn, but I have a lot of things I really need. We are so good at this. See, there are other voices. And and the challenge of the sheep is to decide, is this a voice I should obey or a voice I should ignore? Because we can hear these voices in the same day, in the same company, in the same conversation. Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. Peter, you just heard the voice of God. In the same conversation, Jesus starts talking about what it means to be the Christ and go to a cross. And Peter said, not so, Lord. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. The same man in the same conversation heard the voice of the Lord and heard the voice of the enemy. Developing voice recognition is critical to discipleship. What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice. So, How can we be sure it is the voice of the Lord that we are hearing? I'm going to share with you in a moment three principles, but first we've got to build on this foundation, this basic fundamental truth that God's spoken word will always agree with his written word. See, God is immutable. Here's what that means. He doesn't change. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't say, well, I know what I said a long time ago, but I'm rethinking what I think about that. God doesn't change what he thinks about light and dark, about right and wrong, about good and evil. The Spirit is not going to lead you to read one thing and then tell you something else. Now, people all the time try to do this. Well, I know what the Bible says, but you know, faith has got to evolve and we can't take everything it says. You know, we're good at this. We are good at robbing the word of its authority and its power. Jesus wouldn't do that. When the enemy approached him in that wilderness, he went straight to the word of God, even though it was a thousand years old. It hadn't lost his power and it hadn't lost his truth. And God hadn't changed his mind. And he went to that word and he repelled the enemy. Because of his confidence in 
God's written word. It enabled him to reject what was not right even when it came disguised as light. When you know what God has said, you know there are some things he will not say. So the more we know his word, the better we recognize his voice. That's why we should never treat it lightly whenever a scripture pops into our mind. Because the Holy Spirit is always eager to apply what he has inspired. And so I know I'm hearing God anytime I am prompted to remember and to share and to live out anything in the Bible. If it's his verse, it's his voice. But I've learned there are some other ways to recognize the voice of the Lord. And here's the first. God's voice will encourage my spirit. The word of the Lord is always given to build up, never to tear down. God speaks to remind me of what is right and to inspire me to keep doing what is right even when it is hard. Paul was in a town called Corinth and the Jews there opposed him in a powerful way and was making his life hard. It says in Acts 18, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one's going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. It was a word from God that gave him the courage to preach the word of God. The word of the Lord will not produce worry or doubt or weariness or cynicism. God speaks to increase your peace. God speaks to repel your fear. God speaks to refill your courage. Take And by the way, one of the ways God does this is God exposes the lie you have been listening to that is causing you to lose peace and to be full of fear and weariness. So some years ago, our friend and my old college roommate, Max Licato, spoke at our church. Max is a well-known believer, a popular author. And the following week, a woman called me, and I don't think she meant to. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. But what she said, talking about Max and then talking about me, really demeaned me. It diminished me. And what I heard was, you're less than. And in the moment, even as I'm on the phone talking to her, I heard this in my heart. I love you just for who you are. And I knew what God was saying. I don't need to compare myself to anyone else. I just need to use the gifts God has given me. And I've remembered that word. Whenever the enemy tries to attack me, whenever I try to beat myself up, and whenever I start to feel less than, I remember those words. I love you for who you are. It's a good practice to remember the words God has spoken to you and to hang on to those words and allow those words to build you up long after they were spoken. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. You hear what Paul is saying. Timothy, you know those prophetic words, the words that God gave to the church to speak over to you? Hold on to those words. Recall those words. 
Step into those words. Tell those words to yourself. When we hold on to words from God, words from God will hold on to us. Because his spirit will always encourage your spirit. But sometimes the encouragement will include a loving admonishment. That's the next thing you know about God's voice. It will enable my transformation. We exist to make and grow followers of Jesus. And we do this by being with Jesus. And becoming like Jesus. And doing what Jesus did. You see, God has never been unclear about his intentions for us. Romans 8, 29 says, God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. And so God is going to take you where you are. And he's going to speak to you to guide you to where you can be more like Jesus. Because that has always been his intention for you. He doesn't speak just to transmit information. But to inspire and produce transformation. So we listen not just for what he wants us to do. We listen for who he wants us to be. The spirit of Christ is always going to guide us into the character of Christ. This is God's wisdom. It's so different than the wisdom of the world. James 3, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. That sounds like the character of Jesus. You know it's God's voice when it's guiding you to Christ-likeness, even if it includes some gentle correction. So I have a dear friend who's a pastor who told me a story about a lady in his church who came up to him and said, Pastor, I heard from God last week. She's a single mom. You know how hard that can be. And she'd had a really hard week with a teenage daughter. And she said, Pastor, this is how I started my prayer. God my daughter is such a, and she cursed. She called her daughter an expletive. And exactly in that moment, she heard God say, she is not an expletive. She is my daughter. The daughter was out of line. But the mother knew I crossed the line. And God reminded me, God's word was clear. It was calm. But it was direct. And she repented. But she said, you know, the funny thing is, I found in that word of, of, a, of conf confrontation, I found consolation. God was saying, your daughter does have a father. A father that loves her, is invested in her life. And I'm going to be with her on this hard road. God's word can confront and console at the same time. Time. So it's really critical when we hear a voice that seems to be challenging us that we remember we have an accuser and he's looking for opportunities to assault us and our character flaws. And so we've got to learn to recognize the difference between the condemning voice of the enemy and the convicting voice of the Lord. See, conviction is going to point you to the way of change. Condemnation is just going to make you feel stuck and lousy. Some years ago, 
I was in my car one morning, and I don't know why except that I have an enemy. And he began to speak, and I gave, I gave his voice permission to land in my head. And he brought to my mind a memory of a time in my life I'm not proud where I was with some people and I was feeling less than and I was dishonest in order to impress. That was years ago, but he came that day with that accusation and started to beat me up. What kind of pastor are you? And in that moment, a song came on the radio. I'd never heard it. It wasn't even a new song, but I'd never heard it. And the chorus of that song says, what sin? What sin? It's as far away as the east is from the west. What sin? What sin? It was gone the very minute you confessed, buried in a sea of forgetfulness. I'm not a real emotional person. I had to pull my car off the road for a second because I heard the voice of the Lord and the voice of the Lord is saying, why are you beating yourself up about something I can't even remember? Listen, any voice that tempts you to take your eyes off the cross is not from heaven for there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is more grace in God than there is sin in you. And so God's voice may correct your behavior, but it will never attack your worth. We welcome the voice of the Lord because he is a loving father. And anything he says to us is going to be because he wants the best for us. And so we listen and we create space. For his spirit to continue his work of forming us into devoted followers of Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, you'll wind up in places where fear would never take you. And that's the last way you know it's the voice of the Lord. His voice will encourage your spirit. It'll enable your transformation. And it'll enlarge your faith. Now, one thing I've noticed when I talk to myself, it seems like what I tell myself always leans in the direction of safety and comfort. What's the easy path? But throughout the Bible, those that heard from God were often called to leave their comfort zones and take bold steps of faith. The same voice that was intended to encourage will often call for courage. Paul's coming back from a trip gathering money for the suffering saints in Jerusalem. There's a lot of opposition to Paul in Jerusalem. On the way back, he stops in a town called Caesarea. He says he stayed with a man named Philip who had four daughters. Text adds that they had the gift of prophecy. And the very next verse says in Acts 21, Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. And when we heard this, 
we in the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Now remember, just like you have to interpret the scripture, when you get a prophecy or a word from God, you have to interpret it. You have to discern what does it mean. Notice how quick the church was to interpret a word from the Lord about future suffering as a call for caution. Paul, God has said that in your future there's going to be suffering, so call, don't go. Play it safe. Stay here where it's easy. But Paul did not equate the presence of opposition with the absence of opportunity. Look at the next verse. He said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Paul said, I decided to follow Jesus. I knew when I made that decision, he had a cross on his back. I knew that he told me if I'm going to follow him, I've got to take up a cross too. Paul knows any voice that is telling you to walk away from a cross is not the voice of the Lord. Oswald Chambers wrote a book called My Utmost for His Highest. It has blessed millions of believers through the years. He once said this. Have you ever heard the master say something very difficult to you? If you haven't, I question whether you have heard him say anything at all. Some of you have been hearing God lately asking you to leave your comfort zone and step out in faith. You haven't done it yet, but you've heard him. He's calling you to be more generous with your wealth and trust him for tomorrow. He's calling you to start walking in sexual purity. He's calling you to share your faith with your friend at school or with that person you work with. He's calling you to pick up the phone and say, I need help and go get it. The voice of the Lord will enlarge your faith. One of the greatest examples of this I ever heard in a sermon was by Dr. Martin Luther King. On December 1st, 1955, a brave woman in Rosa Park refused to give her seat on a bus to a white man. And it launched the Montgomery bus boycott. And they asked a brand new young pastor in town if he would lead the protest. And Dr. King said yes, because he thought it would only last for a couple of weeks. But it lasted for months. It's January the 27th, 1956. He's getting a lot of opposition that came with threats even on his life. His wife and his daughter are in bed asleep. He's in the kitchen and the phone rings. And an anonymous smiling voice on the other side says, You and your family better be gone in two days or you will be dead. Let me write or read in his own words what he said about that in a sermon. I sat at the table thinking about that little girl, thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from me any minute, thinking about a dedicated, devoted, loyal wife who was over there asleep, and I got to the point that I couldn't take it anymore. I was weak. And I discovered that religion had to become real to me, and I had to know God for myself. And I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I'll never forget it. And I prayed a prayer. And I prayed out loud that night. And I said, Lord, I'm down there trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. 
I think the cause we represent is right, but Lord, I must confess I'm weak now, I'm faltering, I'm losing my courage. And it seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the world. And I heard the voice of Jesus say to fight on. Three days later, Dr. King's house was bombed. Thankfully, no one was home. And the next morning, an angry mob gathered in his lawn with clubs and with guns saying, let's go give it back. And he said, no, we are not going to return hate for hate and violence for violence. And for 12 years, that's what he preached, even though many times he was asked to change his strategy. And when he was asked over and over, why do you keep saying love the people that have been so cruel? He would tell them about a time of January 27, 1956, in his kitchen, when he heard the voice of Jesus. I've seen many disciples do hard and surprising and unexpected things. Because they heard the voice of God. And I've never heard one of them say they regretted it. Like our friend Matt. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. He knew exactly what God was telling him to do. So he went and found Jeremy Glover, our campus pastor at West Fort Worth, and said, I need to be baptized. And Matt was baptized, and his family... And his friends and his rooted group all celebrated together his decision to start following Jesus. You have to hear his voice to follow him. And when you follow him, wherever he leads, you step into the life you were made for. And so, which voice? Have you been listening to? Let's pray about it. Bow with me. Father, we thank you. You are a God that speaks, that loves us too much to keep us in the dark. Would you increase our expectation that you will show us the right way to go and the right people to be? Would you increase our capacity to recognize wrong voices, even when they come disguised like good ideas. And would you increase our courage to obey the voice of Jesus, knowing full well it might take us to a cross like it did him. We ask all this in his name. Amen.